Welcome to the Cyber Guy Podcast. I am your host, retired FBI Supervisory Special Agent Darren Mott. And in this episode, we take a different track with what we do on this podcast normally. And we interview folks that I met at the 2021 National Cyber Summit here in Huntsville, Alabama. So over the course of the next several episodes of the podcast, I'm going to take a slightly different track on how I do interviews because I had the uh, honor to have a, uh, a booth provided to me at the Huntsville National Cyber Summit, which is a annual cybersecurity conference held here in Huntsville. This was the first time they've been live since 2019, as obviously in 2020 they were kind of COVID uh, caused it to be canceled. So they gave me a booth and I basically interviewed folks at the conference. People would drop by or I had scheduled some interviews and uh, I just meet people and ask if they want to sit down and talk for 10, 15 minutes. And fortunately for me, most people wanted to do that. So it was fantastic in that perspective. And so I have 18 interviews that I'm going to parse out over the course of the next several weeks. So that they're, if I was to do them all in one podcast, no one's going to listen to that. So, for example, this podcast, I talked to a cybersecurity company here in Huntsville named H2L Solutions. I talked to their their president and a couple of interns that they have, because one of the parts of the discussion I had with the CEO, Jonathan Hard, was about the talent gap and the issues with finding talent within the cyber community and cybersecurity and that kind of stuff. And so because we had that conversation, I also talked to a couple interns he had. One was a high school intern, one was a college intern, and one was a recently recent college graduate. So you get their perspective on how they came to do cyber, how they want to do cyber, why they want to do cyber, and give some tips for folks. If you have a kid or a child who's in high school and they're thinking about cybersecurity, kind of give them an idea on you know things that these guys wish that they did or had done that will help them do that. And over the course of the next several weeks, I'll talk to a bunch of different people in a bunch of different in- industries. I talked to um, one of the newest members of the Cult of the Dead Cow, which is a cyber hacktivist group that's been around for a long time. So she had some interesting perspectives. I talked to some folks that do operational technology security. And what that is, is when you look at the electrical infrastructure or the water infrastructure, all of those, the cybersecurity around that is a little different than your normal information technology security because those those items have, I mean, those industries have devices that you know, open up valves and open up switches and things like that. And that's what's operational technology. So there's a couple perspectives on that. Um, there's a there's a guy named John Mad Dog Hall I talked to who is a big into the Linux and his is an interesting conversation. That'll be a standalone podcast all in itself. Uh, so I hope you enjoy it. Uh, this is National Cybersecurity, National, I'm sorry, this is Cybersecurity Awareness Month. Uh, and so one thing I, I do want to pitch on my LinkedIn profile, every day I am posting information about a cyber case over the course, over the last 30-something, 33 years, with the, the first case I talked about on day one was the Morris Worm. Uh, and so today today is uh, October 2nd when I am recording this podcast or putting it together, so I talk about innocent images. So take a look at my LinkedIn if you want just some information on cyber cases over the over the years. I also would recommend uh, you look at Scott Agenbaum's LinkedIn. He is doing videos on how to create a cyber secure mindset and protect yourself. So there's that. As always, you can email me, Darren at thecyberguy.com if you have questions, thoughts, or comments about the podcast. So without any further ado, um, we're going to have three interviews here. One is with uh, Jonathan Hard, from the CEO of H2L Solutions, and a couple interns that work for him. All right, so welcome to the 2021 National Cyber Summit in Huntsville, Alabama. I am here with Jonathan Hart of H2L Solutions, also located here in Huntsville. My first guest for this um, 
first session on Wednesday morning. Wednesday is a Wednesday. <laughs> I know, think, right? I should know what date it is. My God. <laughs> so uh, this is also streaming on Twitch for those so inclined to follow it live. It's probably I'll, I'll bomb out on the Twitch thing, but it's worth a shot. So, yeah, so Jonathan, thanks for being the first one to, to step up and say, "Hey, I'll do this." Yeah, no worries. This podcast Dan. thing. Yeah. So let's talk first about your background. What got you into into cyber in general, sure. and, and how you got to where you are now. So uh, cyber was not my, uh, I guess, first profession of choice. Uh, I was a FedEx driver through college, uh, worked for here in Huntsville, Alabama, FedEx Express. Got uh, deployed to Iraq in 2007, 2008. I was in the Alabama uh, National Guard, specifically the 167th Infantry Battalion. So again, even with the Army education, no cyber. They They taught you how to shoot weapons, kill people, and that was my profession in the military. And then profession on the uh, civilian side was a FedEx driver. Well, upon returning back from Iraq, I got connected with SEIC. And SEIC, they saw my resume. I did have a, a degree in business management from UAH. And so they brought me in, and a, a guy uh, hired me, real good close friend of mine, Mr. Rob Goldsmith. He's at uh, you know, People Tech now. But anyways, he hired me. And he said, we're going to teach you everything about cybersecurity. You know, you have your degree. You have a clearance already from the Army. Um, you got uh, a ranger, you know, went to ranger school, and he went to ranger school. So immediately there was some, some connection there. And he, they taught me everything on it. So I worked at SSE for five years, got my Security Plus certification, Network Plus certification, uh, CEH certification. And then um, after SEIC, I moved over to Mantech and did information assurance for Mantech, Jacobs IT, and then my last stint was with IBM, and uh, I was with IBM and then started the company H2L Solutions in 2014 and then left IBM. Okay, so what does H2L Solutions do? Give it, we give the picture company. Yeah, so uh, we're 100% cybersecurity boutique firm, and underneath the umbrella of, of cybersecurity, because it's so vast, you just can't right. say cybersecurity and people understand exactly what you're good at. There's three kind of areas that we focus on. Uh, with penetration testing with the red side of the house, mm-hmm. we do a lot of that on the commercial side. And then vulnerability assessments kind of sound on the blue side of the house. But our largest area would be GRC, Governance, Regulations, and Compliance. So underneath the GRC umbrella, we have uh, we do a lot of uh, pre-CMMC assessments, pre-DFAR 7012 assessments. So let's, let's stop right there. Let's, let's talk about what CMMC and DFARS is and right. how they're kind of related. Right. So, so DFARS, the um, DFARS 252.204-7012 rule, which is protecting controlled unclassified information, uh, that came out in about 2013, 2014 in the DFARS, which is the Defense Federal Acquisition Requirements Supplement. And it's a supplement to the FAR, which is the Federal Acquisition Requirements. Uh, basically, you know, it's three times larger than the Bible. And anyone who does, <laughs> right. you know, DOD and federal work, they have to abide by these regulations. Um, President Obama, back in 2010, created an executive order to actually start mark and classify controlled and classified information. So until then, everything was marked FOUO or you know, no foreign. Everything, there was like over 100 different marking systems. And so their idea was we're going to create a uh, marking standardization throughout the whole federal government, and he assigned NARA, the National Archives and Records Association, as the, the owner of that. So the CUI program is actually owned by NARA, and then NARA um, started working on the marketing classification guides. Now, NARA is a federal agency, not a DOD one, but what the, D- the DFARS did, the DOD acquisition professional said, we've got to go ahead and put a ruling out here because our systems that we're working on are more vulnerable uh, from a, uh, uh, like a, 
high risk perspective if adversarial people you know they they hack these systems these are weapon systems right and so they put the dfar 7012 out there before the nist 8171 which is the national institute of standards technology on how to adequately protect controlled and classified information before that was even written by nist they had the dfar 7012 out and so we were doing those assessments uh, and basically that control what or what that uh, regulation does is it applies um, 110 security controls that DOD contractors have to implement within their IT infrastructure if they want to go after, you know, government work, specifically in this case, DOD work. Mm-hmm. And so what our firm um, has been doing is we've been going and helping people implement these controls within their IT infrastructures and also assessing them. So some of them already have the internal capabilities to do this from an, uh, from an implementation perspective, but it's always good to get a third set of eyes, right? And so we would come in and be that third set of eyes. And then what happened was, unfortunately, the DFAR 7812 clause didn't really have any teeth in it. It was a self-attestation clause where any company would take that regulation and, say, and, and then they'd tell the government, we've done it. Here's our, stand, our SSP, our system security plan. Here's our POAM. The problem is that the government got so many different versions of these SSPs and so, they saw so many different implementations of the security requirements on these different networks that they said, well, there's no way we can enforce this without creating a, um, a third party, an official third party uh, certification program. And that's where the great you know, CMMC came into place. So let's talk about uh, classified, or I'm sorry, controlled unclassified, because you really only see it in the dip. Or do you see it else? I haven't seen it elsewhere because I, I, I spent 20 years in the FBI and we were unclassified, secret, top secret, and all the variations were there. But I never saw Cooey until I came into the private sector. Right. So. Yeah, so it's primarily in the Department of Defense right now. That being said, I think there's some other federal agencies. I think the um, uh, Department of Treasury or, or is it IRS, they're, they're looking at adopting mm. it. Um, and it's really from a CMMC perspective. Yeah. Um, whether these other agencies in the federal government want to to adopt it or, or not. And I think that there's a federal ruling in the FAR coming out, but I haven't seen anything. Right, right. right. So um, I'm, a, I'm a fan of the CMMC framework. I mean, I understand the process and I understand why they, they being the government, pushed it. I'm not a fan of the accreditation body. I yeah. think that uh, the rollout has been horrible, and unfortunately I think that a lot of the defense industrial base um, representatives have lost face or lost you know, faith in the accreditation body. Well, especially with all the, I mean, all the people with conflicts of interest and you know all that kind of. I mean, they're, they're, that's a whole other that's a whole other podcast into itself. Absolutely. But so so let me talk about your your company doing pre assessments for for contractors. What have you found? My guess is before you did during under DFARS, they were all 100 percent compliant because they had all their poems and and poem is. Go ahead. I, yeah, I, I have of, to look it up every time. Oh yeah, it's plan of action and miles. Right, right. Yeah. So, so you have to say, I don't have this, but here's my plan to make it happen. Exactly. So CMMC takes that out. You That's, have to actually, you either have it or you don't and yeah. you fail. So what has been your, and you don't obviously have to, you're not going to dime on any of your customers, but what's the per general percentage of customers? I assume the most of them want level three, which is kind of the middle of the road where everybody's right. kind of set to start with. Yeah. Uh, 130 controls in that one. So what? What is you? why are you finding the percentage of passing to be for those 130? So when we come out and do our pre-CMMC assessments, usually the, the weakest area in the in our customers would be policies and procedures, right? right and so, and so right. every, you know, they might spend a lot of money on technical controls, multi-factor authentication, have a good SIM like, you know, Splunk or, or something mm. else in their, in their infrastructure there, have a good um, disaster recovery plan or actual where their data is being uh, put off into a, you know, a different database somewhere else. 
But it's always, it, it, that's the common thing, is those policies and procedures. Because they could have all the technical controls implemented, but most of those technical controls are multiple, right? They have a technical portion yep. and then a policy or, a, or an SOP or a procedure right. or a process that goes with that. And so that's usually where we see the, the weakest part is. And, and some of these companies have went out and bought templates, right? right? But it still doesn't solve the problem because what we're seeing is even if they buy a template, they don't know how to you know, put their information in there where it makes sense to where it can be a repeatable process and right, it's right. followed from a security perspective entirely throughout the organization from the, the top down, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So so you do that. What else do you operate? Yeah, so uh, we on the, that's the commercial side. I, I yep. lump that in the commercial. On the government side, we do a lot of work for uh, you know the Missile Defense Agency, Ground Vehicle System Center up in Detroit, uh, USACE, NAFAC. USACE and NAFAC and AFCEX uh, work specifically, I always find interesting, industrial control systems, cybersecurity, uh, primarily with uh, new buildings. So, you know, they'll go in there and they'll... They'll uh, do a, a design review, and they'll be, have the schematics and the, and the plans. And what our job is is to go in there and uh, put in the cybersecurity requirements for the HVAC system, for the fire protection control system. Anything that has OT or operational technology mm-hmm. will have an RMF or a cybersecurity requirement attached to it. We put all of those cybersecurity requirements in that uh, design phase, and then when that is finished, the agency, whether it's USA Snapback or AFCAC, will then bid that from a build or construction perspective. And so we can also go in there, and then we, which is obviously the harder part, which is actually actually, you know, following through with those you know cybersecurity controls that we put in the design, actually, and harding them and actually doing them right. So applying the sticks, the HVAC units, and, and the fire protection control, and, and the electrical systems you know, within the the you know infrastructure of the building, but. Um, you know, sometimes with OT, you apply stig, and it, of course, <laughs> shuts the whole right, yeah, right? So the, there's the a valve lot shuts of, off, and you're out of luck. Exactly, there's a lot of troubleshooting that has yeah, yeah. to go with that kind of work. But I always find that's that's fun, that's interesting. I get to work, or we get to work with, you know, PEs and, and you know EEs from an engineering perspective. And these guys are just brilliant. Mm-hmm. I mean. 1700 page schematics on how to build a, a you know a five story you know hospital you know, it's just it's really cool what they do and you know cybersecurity was not even addressed with right. with those with those agencies until about 4 or 5 years ago and so it's slowly been creeping on so a lot of these A&E or architecture and engineering firms like HDR Black and Beach I mean, they both those companies I just named have great cyber programs now but you know they weren't really tracking that back then and because it wasn't in the solicitation so, what do you see? What do you see as the biggest issue in cybersecurity today? From a, you talk about from a threat perspective, yeah. from a vulnerability perspective. So, pick. talent. No, that's a great one. I mean, that's, I mean, that's a great answer. Yeah. I mean, it's just it, it is. You know, I mean, I'm coming from an, an old school perspective. When I joined the military in 1999, I enlisted, and I was the last. Uh, I was the last class for charts and darts for 13 Echo, which is fire, fire direction control specialist. There was no AFATADS, which is now the, the way that um, the military takes the forward observers, um, azimuth, converts it to mills, to the gun line to shoot the artillery rounds. It was all done by hand. And, you know, we did that mm-hmm. by hand, and now we're relying on an AFATADS system. So ta- we got to have both sides of talent, people who understand bytes, bits, ones, zeros, how the systems work, right? And we've got our universities are doing an okay job, some of them better than others, but they, they're really good at teaching our future generation book smarts cybersecurity versus right. the technical in-depth 
kind of cybersecurity that we need to defend our country and defend our critical infrastructure and defend our, you know, military programs. And so what we're seeing is um, a lack of the actual bits and, and because especially for the defense industrial base, because once these, I'm just going to say kids, right? But once, once sure, these yeah. young adults, or once, once industry identifies that he or she does have what it takes to be like a cyber god or goddess, they get plugged into the commercial market. They right. go work for a bank. They go work for Ford Motor Company and make a ton of money. And so we're losing out on that, that talent staying in the defense industrial base to support the defense of the country, right? And I think that's the biggest problem is, is finding the talent, keeping the talent, and then making sure that your competitive prices um, don't, don't uh, suck our talent out of the defense industrial base. And especially it's even harder for the you know, government people to keep government cybersecurity professionals because even in the defense industrial base side, we can pay more usually than the federal government for those positions. And so talent would be one thing. And then another vulnerability, I would say, is our, what I was talking about earlier, is our, I guess, reliance on IT and OT. And so, like I said, the example when I was doing learning charts and darts, old school way, well, if ATADS goes down, right, which is satellite-based GPS, if that goes down, no one, no one knows how to do that charts and darts anyway. No one right. remembers how to go back to the the how to go back proven, to paper. Exact, mm-hmm. the proven methodology of actually putting, you know, 155 Howard's rounds downrange the old school way if that technology is right. jammed, blown, blown up from a, you know explosion in space or something. And then I, I almost want to guarantee you that our adversaries do know how to use that old school. I don't know. I think I'd be. I think I think we'd be surprised. And, and I say that because when I was with the FBI, we worked a lot of counterintelligence cyber cases, and their opsec was horrible. Yeah. So you would think that hey, the Chinese they, they know they're right on the ball. But these guys were compromising Google accounts or, or using infrastructure domestically to do launch attacks against domestic targets cyber wise and then they were using that same infrastructure to order stuff from amazon and have it shipped to themselves so operational security i kind of sucks across everywhere and i don't think i mean not that the russians are i think are any better but going back to your your talent part which brings up an interesting question so if if someone's getting it wants to get in the cyber field what's more important the bachelor's degree or the certifications a combination of both i talked to a guy once he said look microsoft google's they're not hiring master's degree cybersecurity people because all those people do is learn. They want people who can do the ones and zeros and, and touch the keyboard and do all that stuff. So the, the answer to that question depends on what area you want to go and work in. If you want to work in the defense industrial base the go- and support government you know, customers, then it is a mixture of both. You sure. definitely will need that four-year degree. Um, it doesn't necessarily need to be a technical degree, but it does really help, right? Right, right. Because um, you know, bottom line, four-year degree some kind of cybersecurity certification where the the minimum would be security plus network plus and a plus don't really get you anything from a you know a, a, a job perspective and then that work experience and of course the clearance right so sure, those, yeah. those are the four things if you want to go work in the defense industrial base unfortunately what we're seeing now is that the larger um, larger cybersecurity companies and the larger government contractors and I won't name anyone, for their entry-level cybersecurity positions are now requiring three to five years' experience. How is someone right. who is just getting out of college, or even high school for that matter, going to have three to five years of relevant cybersecurity experience to take an entry-level job? So what we've done, and this is not my idea, it's my CEO's idea, 
we've made um, you know we've made really good in, in you know inroads with UAH, A&M, Drake, and we have a internship program. And so we do um, two cohorts, 20, 20 interns a year. We bring them in for an eight-week program. We sit them down, we train them, and they are they are employees. And so if they stay in that program, they can stay in that program three to five years, and that's one experience checked off the box. Uh, we try to put them on programs where we can get them their clearance if they we vet that they are going to be, and that be the second piece. They're already working in college. That's the third, and then the the fourth would be uh, you know certification of right. some sorts. And usually, I think the colleges now they kind of help them pick. You know, by the time they get out of college, they'll have some certification if they're going down you know the, that that kind of path from an education perspective. So, but it's hard. I mean, it seems like the we have a a gap in actual talent and then we're making the requirements harder and harder to fill right right, you're right right. and it doesn't make much sense to me so we try to help where we can from that perspective have you tried to have you got any of the skill bridge folks the folks that are coming out of the military and have like six months and they 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 say go intern over here yeah so so i would like to increase that uh, awareness from from my you know tapping into like um i don't i can't remember the names of those programs that help transitioning right. you know soldiers out of the military and finding mm-hmm. but we get hit up on linkedin all the time by by uh, re- people that are about to mm-hmm. retire and we always try to point them in the right direction because sometimes they're mm-hmm. not they don't have they're not from that cyber sure you know area. Sure, sure. so what's your this is a random question i wrote down because i'm interested to get people's perspective on it so you know about the president's recent executive order on cybersecurity came out a couple months ago. Whatever. Right. What do you like about it? What don't you like about it? Well, um, I think that anytime that I guess what I like about it is it's being addressed, right? And so it does need to be addressed. Other than that, I mean, I haven't done too much digging in it. I really haven't. So I, I tend to not pay attention to what happens in Washington. A That's lot. good plan. It's good plan. Uh, you know, mm. and then and by that you know, methodology, we don't get wrapped up around politics right. and things. We try to just go out there, execute the requirement, execute the needs of the customers, and then do a great job so that we get that repeat, repeat work. Right. So um, if someone wants to find your company, how do they do it? So you always go to our website, you know, www.h12solutions.com. Uh, you can also go to find us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram. And then uh, if you go on LinkedIn, you find that my LinkedIn profile and send me a and, message and the point i should make you're in huntsville but you don't you're not restricted to doing business no no in no so we've done work in in spain germany guam honduras uh japan south korea and then we're currently doing work in denmark uh, so yeah no we, we can we'll go wherever antarctica would be awesome right, right. If, you, if you need yeah. personal security on your yacht well, see, I, always tell people, I will volunteer right. myself <laughs> i always tell people look if you want to solve your cybersecurity problem throughout all your digital devices move to antarctica you'll be good to go so you, frostbite a- might be absolutely. an issue but from a cyber yeah. problem you're probably okay. yeah but, if you're really concerned get <laughs> right. rid of everything and, and go live in the woods somewhere in the mountains right? all right well yeah. jonathan i greatly appreciate you taking the time thanks for coming yeah. out and uh, good luck with everything you guys do yeah thanks darren i right, appreciate it thanks so I'm joined by Micah Van Fossen and Luke Domini, both of H2L Solutions. They So Luke is a current college student at UAH, correct? Do I got that right? That's, that is correct. Yeah. I'm good. I, I, won't, I won't have to look at your name, your name tag anymore. I appreciate it. Thank you. That's why it's not on video because it's funny things like that. And then uh, and Micah is a current employee at H2L. So I wanted to get you guys in to get a different perspective on, because you are different phases in your careers, and kind of talk about how you got to where you are, how you started where you are going, um, and where you think it'll go. I talked to your high school intern yesterday. So I have a nice perspective of the CEO, you two, and the 
high school interns. That'd be interesting. So, so Michael, let me start with you. Um, what was your background? Where did you go to college? And what, and when you went to college, did you go there with an idea that I want to do cybersecurity stuff or cyber stuff? I guess if you were. right, yeah. So I went to college. Um, I went to Regent University in Virginia Beach, um, and I actually had a kind of different experience. At first, I went to a different school just for computer science. Um, but then I realized, like, I really don't want to be a programmer. I don't want to be software development. I don't enjoy it. Um, so that's when I transferred them to Regent. Um, and they had just a bachelor's in cybersecurity. So it was kind of just a broad overview of everything. Um, a lot of schools you have, like, your, it seems, at least with cyber degrees, you have your business, your IT maybe with concentration in cyber, and you have your, like, maybe software development in cyber. Um, but there's not a whole lot of the cyber operations side as far as degrees go. And that's kind of what I was wanting because I didn't really want to be in the business is IT side, nor the software development side, um, which is basically just a computer um, science degree with like a few one or right. two security. So you wanted to do like you wanted to be more vulnerability assessment, penetration testing, forensic stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, I wanted to focus like strictly on more operation side of cyber, um, and so that's where. And the degree was partially that. It was, I mean, you have your like pro- project management, um, but then you also had digital forensics, network security, system security. Um, disaster recovery and response stuff like that so there's basically a broad overview of everything okay um i'd really consider the degree similar to the computer security plus like i took that class right after the degree and it was in a sense it felt like all the information on that was uh, in a sense what i learned in my degree okay along with you know course all right so look let me go to you so you're at uah here in huntsville and what did you start off at uah as because you about you said you're about ready to graduate the end of the semester that's correct so did you come in i want to do cybersecurity, or do you want to do computer science where did you how'd you fall into that well originally i um didn't know exactly what i wanted to do in college so i graduated high school and then i went to calhoun community college um, there, I just took all the general studies, and then once I got my associate's degree, the Army came calling. Uh, mm-hmm. The Army National Guard came calling as um, they were trying to build or develop their cybersecurity teams, um, the Guard was. Uh, I was like, oh, I'm, that sounds interesting. So I joined the Guard in 2018 and went through the cybersecurity training, um, went to a cryptologic school down in Pensacola with the Navy and went over to Fort Gordon and completed my cybersecurity training with them. So that was my first taste in cyber, really enjoyed it. So um, I knew that when I came back from being alpha back, once I finished my active duty time, I was like, I'm going to finish my degree because why not? So UH um, just started their cybersecurity program recently. Um, It fit well with what I was wanting to do. Um, I'm in the business, uh, I'm getting the uh, BSBA um, in information systems with a concentration in cybersecurity. So it's not the actual cybersecurity degree from the uh, computer science department. But um, it fits well with what I want to do um, in more of the IT slash cyber operations. So same as yeah, Micah, similar so to him. Yeah. Um, uh, when it comes to, I'm, I don't have to be the hands-on. I know how to do the technical side. The Army taught me that, and it was just quite stressful to be honest. <laughs> so I, I enjoy something to, to take a step back, more analyzing. Uh, doing an analyst position. Ah, so like kind of the incident response, forensic stuff. Correct. Something bad happened, somebody figure out what happened so that, we can stop is, it from happening down the line. correct, yes. I enjoy that kind of stuff. Okay, so let me, so I'll ask you both the same question. Since the microphone's pointing to you, we'll start with you. Um, did you find, so are you currently have any certification? Let me ask that uh, question. Currently working for my, well, studying for my SEC Plus and Net Plus. Um, okay. And should be getting those within the next Are you doing that, months. so are you doing that independent of your classwork or do you have the classes where you take the class, take the test at the end and you get certified? So I ended up usually that would be the course of action that's how it normally happens um i took a, my class schedule was a little weird based upon my military service and all that kind of threw it sure, off. sure sure but 
The um, I have taken a network class. Usually, I would take a network plus. I had to get back in touch with UH because they are they can give you at a discounted rate okay. to take these uh, certifications. So that's that's the route I'm taking. Um, the Army's going to pay for my security plus. The oh, National great. Guard will be, and for my CEH for my certified ethical hacker certification. Nice. All right. So, Micah, same question to you. When you were at Regents, did you get certifications there, or did the coursework lead to certifications, or did you have to get it all when you came out? Yeah. So I did not get any like through the college now that you do get like with CompTIA you get student discounts if you're a current student so I could take advantage of that but I didn't have um, a course that like ended in a certification like our one like system security course we did have something similar through a program called test out which is pretty similar to CompTIA and they have like a almost like a mock exam that's really similar to the tech plus but you don't actually get the tech plus okay um, so then so it's not been out of college I got the um Tech Plus, the CYSA Plus, and sorry for those wondering, they're playing they're <laughs> playing cornhole behind us, so that's that's the banging you're hearing. So sorry, so go ahead, sorry. Yeah, so I do have the Sec Plus, the CYSA Plus, and I took the pen test beta, but we're still rating results on that, so okay. I don't know if I have that or not. And I did just recently take one through a company called INE, the Cloud Fundamentals. Um, program oh, okay. through them, which is kind of an overview of Azure, AWS, and the Google Cloud platform. So let me, so I'll ask you both, again, same question, and we'll start with you, because like, the microphone's pointing your way. So go back to when you are in high school. And obviously, you know, a lot of people, when you're in high school, you don't really know what you want to do. You kind of have an idea, hey, I mean, when I was in ninth grade, I wanted to be a doctor. I did not go down that road, ultimately, obviously. So if you could look to folks that are in ninth grade, or really 10th, 11th, 12th grade, who are starting to start thinking about, i got to figure out what I'm doing after this. So this is kind of a two-pronged question. Um, would you re- would recommend cybersecurity as a job, as a position? Which I'm assuming the answer is going to be yes because there's so many vacancies that you can certainly find jobs. But what would you have, like if you go back to that age, what would you do differently to prepare you for where you are now? Or would you do anything differently? And it's, it's okay if you wouldn't do anything differently. Right. So in my high school, we did not have like advanced technology classes or anything like that. So I didn't have um, much learning in cyber in high school right. really so it's just a general you have your calculus your math like stuff like that sure. like just general classes um but i just knew i enjoyed technology i enjoyed like working on stuff i had like had a computer i didn't build it but like, i had one just working on stuff so i knew i did enjoy that so that was kind of the start of what where i pictured myself going was into that route um i would definitely recommend as much hands-on stuff that you can get there are programs out there um try hack me like hack the box and they're more almost like gamified versions of cyber so those do help um help for learning um a lot of them have free stuff anything you can do hands-on to actually start learning will help you because even in college like textbook learning for cybersecurity is hard it's not fun you don't want to read your textbook and figure out what you do so getting that hands-on experience is very beneficial and can help you see if you actually enjoy it or not or if it's just something that you're like "Eh, maybe i don't actually love this after you get that so side question that when you got to college did you then build your own computer not yeah, I'm still waiting. Still to, <laughs> I was wanting to last year, and then the now prices, you can't. The price skyrocketed. Right, and you can't find, right, you can't find any chips. You can't find chips right. or anything else. So, Luke, same questions to you. If you could go back to high school, would you change? If anything, um, so I I moved here in 2011. My I went to Madison Academy. I was I have always been somewhat technology inclined. Um, I built my own computer in high school, so I was I was all, I was just eagerly learning stuff on my own, watching YouTube. You know, um, I uh, highly suggest. Um, 
younger students in high school about to go into college. You don't always have to know exactly what you want to do, but I always say just test the waters, see what interests you, because after all, you're going to be doing this for quite a while in your lifetime, so you might want to be doing something you enjoy. Mm -hmm. um, I think cybersecurity has a lot of different dimensions that a lot of people don't think about, and it's not just not always the technical side sitting behind the computer hacking. There's a lot of the business management side of it uh, as a program manager on cybersecurity projects. So I um, suggest just test the water, see what you enjoy, via each, be it um, cybersecurity engineering, network engineering, all that can be tied back to cyber. So um, I, I wouldn't change much. I mean, I probably would have tried to get more in-depth into certain societies or different schools. Now the opportunity these kids are having here in Huntsville with the cyber school coming here is a phenomenal opportunity. And if mm. it was here, I would 100% take advantage Wait, of it. So let me ask you, so I'll ask you both again, same question. So do you recommend the four-year degree or do a two-year degree and you just get a bunch of certifications and start working? Is there what's the is there adva advantage to either or? Um, I think there's advantages to both. Um, if you're going to go the, get the associate's degree, the two-year degree, and then uh, go for certifications, um, the hindsight to that is you can go out in two years and start making a lot of money. Sure. Um, and then if you decide to do the four-year route and then get certifications, you're just you're postponing only, the money. You're postponing <laughs> the money, but in reality, you're going to end up making more because you're going to have a four-year degree and you're going to be getting certs on top of that later on. Well, so Mike, I'll let you answer that question. Then I'm going to have a, a counterpoint to that. Let's see what you think. Yeah. So I would say it's really dependent on what you want. I would not recommend in cyber many people go to big four-year universities spend 50 grand a year to get a cyber degree i don't think that's the way to go that's um, a great point I, yeah. say that again <laughs> that's such a good point don't you should go say to it again four-year universities for cybersecurity <laughs> and spend fifty thousand dollars a year um yeah so i the best route that i've seen which is not exactly what i took um but if you can do any dual ed in high school take some classes some college classes and then go to community college for at least two years um most of it will be free. You can get a lot of any rec out of the way. And then if you want maybe two years, go to a bigger university, you want the name or something, you can do that and get that program. Um, and also, I've just, I've never, never been a proponent on spending a lot of money for learning in cyber because there's so much free stuff out there. Great point. Um, so again, even with like certifications, like a lot of those have free trainings you can do. Um, so I, I do think, and it, it comes down to the jobs and the companies, because a lot of companies, they require you to have a bachelor's degree. A lot of them do require a certification or two. Right. So I think if you can get a good mix, obviously, ideally, you can come out with a degree and a few certs um, not for not very expensive. That's the ideal route. Right. You I think go. you're right on that. But I, I, the other option that I would say is do the two-year degree, get the certification, get a job, and then have the job pay for your last two years, because most companies same way they're going to want to retain talent we're at a point where they have to retain talent because you can't find talent it's so hard to find folks with your skill set like you guys are very marketable like wherever you, within a year you could you're going to get to the point because i'm already starting to see this in my company with people who are in your positions where other companies are coming and saying hey i'll give you you know 50 percent more and do this so you're going to have those opportunities but the companies are going to have see value in coming in two years. We'll pay for your certifications, plus we'll pay for your four-year degree. So now, where you guys are at, you need to you need to get your your next company to pay for your master's degree. A lot of that is: do you necessarily need a master's degree? Who knows? Probably not, because you're just kind of learning for learning. But the point you made, 
the more degrees, then that could mean, you know, some companies value the, just the idea of the degree versus what the degree provides. So if I have a guy making a master's and a guy making a guy with a master's, a guy with a bachelor's and they're, they're in for, you know, and I have to give them a pay increase the next year, I'm going to give the guy with the master's more because he has a master's degree. may not mean anything at the end of the day, but and yeah, I yeah, go ahead. Add, sorry. Uh, just yep, one go ahead. Point. Um, Oops, sorry. When and when we're, when we're talking about... We're switching my microphone here. Sorry. Go ahead. There you go. When we're talking about um, getting degrees, um, a lot of companies, they don't really... Okay, you got a degree. The only thing a degree, I feel like, tells a company is this 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 individual is capable to learn. Yes. Good and point. that's really why a lot of companies are requiring um, degrees to or for a requirement. Right, right. Um, I think a lot of companies do miss out on a lot of good employees because they great point. shy away from the guys that don't have degrees. And those employees later on could have been great employees for them right. if they would have hired them with a two-year degree. So I, I think there's ups and downs to, to both. And um, in the end, do whatever is best for you. Right, exactly. And I will say, like the cyber as a as a whole evolves, everything evolves. So I think the hiring process is still evolving because you got a lot of older hiring managers that just say, "Hey, we need a four year degree to so this job. We're gonna got to have a four year degree." I mean, you, you know, your four year degree, three years experience. I mean, good luck finding that person. They're all unicorns at this point. So. And I found as well that the degree doesn't necessarily mean a job either. I have some people sure. I know that have the cyber degree and they still are looking for a job because they don't have any experience or any outside work. So if you can combine just like showing your interest in cyber along with a degree, then you're on a much better route. So did you do internships when you were in college too? I did, yeah. During the summers, I did have internships and I did do some of those like I pres- uh, mentioned earlier, like Hack the Box, or like if you have a blog or something, a website, something that you can show you actually have an interest in cyber, that goes a long way other than just saying you have the degree, but you have shown no other interest, you haven't done anything else, you just have the degree. Right, so look, I assume you've, so how long have you been doing your internship at so H2L? I, um, I've only been at H2L for roughly four months now. Okay. Um, I... I've had, being a, with the military service, a, a lot of companies love to see a military resume. So if you have military education sure, or sure, sure. military training, they that's an automatic plus form. So I've had, it was hard for me to, to come back and finish my degree because I had companies just flocking yeah. to say, hey, come work for us as a full-time employee. But my... My point was, well, I want to finish school first, and then I didn't want to just get thrown out to the fire. And right. so, sometimes the, the the best move is to take a step back and say, hey, what's going to be best for me in the long run? And H2L was like, hey, we're going to put you in this program. As soon as you get to a point where you feel comfortable to go full-time with us and feel like you know what you're going to be doing, um, to let us know. So it was something that I, I could have taken the, the illustrious job offers from sure. the yep. FBI, had the FBI coming after me. There was a couple of companies. And it sounded good, but in the long term, I felt like it wouldn't have benefited me as much as what I'm doing right now. Gotcha. That's great. Gentlemen, thanks so much for your time. That's great insight. And hopefully people hear it and think that's a good idea. I should need to do it that way. Thank thanks you so for much. having us. Thank you. Thank you. So I'm joined now by Sean Mahotra, a senior at New Century Tech High School. He is circling around the National Cyber Summit looking at all of the uh, different companies. And he is an intern at H2L Solutions, who's president we spoke with earlier this morning. So, Sean, thanks for taking the time to talk with me on the Cyber Guy podcast. Always, sir. So let's talk about a couple things. Um, so you were telling me that you, as a senior, you're looking to go to college to get a cybersecurity degree of some sort. What got you interested in cybersecurity to start with? Well, uh, well, sir, uh, when I was in sixth grade, I have learned about how important and advancing cyber uh, is. Cyber is always advancing, even when I was in sixth grade. 
my father always told me that cyber is a good start for your career in life. It it can give you the uh, type of life that you you would like, and also cyber is the future. The cyber will we're all right now. We are surrounded with things which have cyber. The cyber is all around us. So the the cyber industry is is always growing is always growing, and it is a way to uh, give you the better life which you want. Like I said earlier. Mm. Uh, the thing which my father told me is that, which I've done my research and also it's true as well, that there's a big gap in, in cyber. The cyber Talent jobs. gap. Yeah, like yeah. A, people being able to do the jobs. Yeah, yeah. There, uh, there's a big gap for uh, cyber jobs. There's a lot of cyber companies. There's a lot, uh, there's a lot of cyber jobs. But the thing is that there's, we need more people. In the, there are more jobs. We need more people. There's a huge uh, gap for that. So when I became interested in sixth grade, I tried it out. I tried it out in my seventh grade year. That's when I got into Sour Patriot. Uh, do you know what Sour Patriot yep. is? Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, after seventh grade, when I got into introduced Sour Patriot, that's when I I liked cyber. Yeah. I like cyber a lot. I like OS hardening. I like going in to secure the OS system, which for me it is fun, but also it's very interesting because very interesting because I learned a lot about. A lot, learned a lot of doing that. So, does your school have a cyber-focused program specifically, or is this just something that you're doing on the side in addition to your regular studies? New Century Technology. We they offer a magnet program. The magnet program uh, they have three strands. It is computer science, which I'm doing right now. Mm-hmm. There's engineering strand. Is also biomedical. The strand how it works is that you have to, of course, attend to classes. You have to register for classes. Which can, which cooperate with that strand. Gotcha. So there's there's a distinct class uh, class structure. In other words, if you're in the computer science, you take these classes. If you're in medical technology, you take yes. these. Yes. Okay. Gotcha. Yes. Okay. So you're also you're telling me an intern at H2L, which yes. you do not see a lot of high school seniors as interns at some of the country, companies. But I and I think that goes to show the talent gap where they just companies just need people to be able to do cybersecurity and IT security and all that kind of stuff. So how has that been going? How'd you get how did you find out about it? And you you were telling me you were the first high school intern, correct? Yes. Okay. So how'd you get how'd you get to that point? Well the first internship I went to is Sour Protex. And that was when I got to the first time I actually gone to the field of cyber. Before I got into the internship, starting in seventh grade, I was only going through the cyber process of my school, what my school was teaching me and what my school was giving me. Um, my father and my cyber teachers was telling me that I should go to an internship because an internship, they give you the type of experience which the schools really do not give you. Mm-hmm. So at, while I was in cyber protects, I was, lear- I was learning a lot. I was getting firsthand of, of, of a lot of things. And... Due to certain complications, um, I had that I was could no longer be over there, and I was trying to find other cyber interns which can give me that kind of experience. But when I was looking for that, there was a lot of beginner internships which which you, which you need eight years of experience. So far, I've only only five, about five years of experience. Uh, you need a computer. You need a college degree. I'm in high school. <laughs> right. How on earth can I get a college degree? <laughs> right. And I need this, this, and that. I've never been paid for before. That's the thing. I've never been paid before. And some of the internships, they require that you need paid experience. 
I have experience under my belt. I'm just not getting paid for it. So, so you're at the, so you're at the beginning, the very beginning of your whatever your cyber career is. And it, obviously, there's a lot of different tracks within the cyber world. You could be, you know, if you want to just be an IT specialist, you could do that. If you wanted to be a pen tester, you could be that. If you wanted to be a SOC analyst, you could. Do, what's your what's your ultimate goal? What do you ultimately want to do within the cyber world? Obviously, understanding that by the time you graduate and go to college. A lot of this will evolve to something we don't even know exists as far as that perspective, whatever that threat is or whatever that cybersecurity field is. But for right now, if you were to look ahead and say in six years when you're out of college, what do you want to be doing? Well, sir, to be honest, I have not 100% on uh, that of what I want. Okay, let me rephrase the question then. What do you like to do? What's your favorite? Of of all the cyber stuff, penetration testing, vulnerability assessments, whatever, what do you like? I am more of the compliance side. I'm hmm. right now in H2O. I'm learning about the technical side as well. But but I like uh, OS hardening. I like going in and analyzing and see if they're compliant or not. Um, I like the uh, compliance uh, side of cyber, which which interests me. That's great because I will tell you that's I think that's a so there is a uh, so there's a the guy I work with and and we have different perspectives on that where you know compliance for me can be like the starting point jumping point to a lot of different areas where Mm -hmm. you know you can learn you know what the vulnerability aspects are forensic pieces incident response and then you can kind of jet from that to those specific areas where his perspective is learn all those areas first then come do compliance yes so where where do you where do you fall on that let me ask that question i throw a throw a stinger here at you but well although i'm interested in the compliance side is all it is good no it is best to know other things sure. going to that as well. Mm-hmm. You know, the technical side, the networking, how it works, you have to know what the requirements are, what are you looking at, basically. So, what I'm learning with H2O right now is that although I like to be compliant, I'm learning about all these things, uh, which goes along with uh, compliance, which goes along with the technical, because although I want to be interested in one thing, mm-hmm. it is best to, to know what others uh, others are going on, what others have. Gotcha. All right, well, Sean, thanks so much for stopping by. I wish you the best of luck in your rest of your high school career and as you go into college and wherever you end up in cyber. I'm sure I'll be seeing you in the cyber, cyber news somewhere. <laughs> thanks. Thank you, sir. Thanks. So that'll do it for round one of the interviews from the National Cyber Summit 2021 from Huntsville, Alabama. I hope you enjoyed those perspectives on different aspects of cybersecurity, especially from new folks getting into the cyber world and the talent gap that's out there. This is Cybersecurity Awareness Month, October, Cybersecurity Awareness Month. And so one thing I would recommend as you go through this month is try to learn a little bit about cyber here and there where you can. Uh, if you have family members that, that need more information on cyber, I, I have a second podcast called the Get Cyber Smart Podcast, and it's a linear educational type of podcast, which basically as it goes along will give you little bits of information about cyber, hopefully to make folks a little cyber smarter because it'll help them be a little cyber safer. So as you go through your week, remember, knowledge is protection. Understand the threats that are targeting you assess your risk and proceed wisely online. Keep yourself safe, keep your friends safe, keep your family safe. Until next week, this is Darren Mott saying thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon.